0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And really,
1: that that should be the goal for every pastor. It's just to be, and like Paul says here, with long suffering and with teaching. And so, all patience is is how I think the ESV translates this. I think that's all there, but um, with complete, complete patience. All patience and complete teaching, meaning you just got to just teach the word in its entirety, Old Testament, New Testament, teach the whole thing, teach the whole word, all of it,
0: just teach the word. In today's message, Pastor James will share with you about one of the greatest virtues that you can have, patience. Patience can apply to so many areas of your life. It can show up in your work, relationships, school, home, and so much more. When there's a lack of patience in your life, there can often be the presence of many undesirable things in your life, like resentment, distrust, or fear. When it comes to patience, God will answer your prayers for it in your life and in the lives of those around you, but it might take a little time. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: always have a message. Always have a message in your heart. That doesn't just apply to me because I, I, when I read this, I am taking this, because I am a pastor, uh, I am taking this and applying all of this to myself. But I also know that that can apply to all of us. What message do you have stored up in your heart that you're ready to share in an instant? It should be your testimony. That's a good place to start. Like, what's your story? How did you meet Jesus? What was that all like? And maybe you have scripture that you've memorized and maybe the holy spirit brings to your memory a, a verse and you're like man I can I just share this verse with you I don't know why but I feel like I need to tell you I need to tell you this sometimes that's the lord saying hey ready in season out of season just be ready to share the word cuz you never know you never know all all believers i believe should be ready just ready, in season, out of season, whether, when it's convenient, when it's inconvenient, you should just be ready to share the word with someone. You can't share it if you're not in it, right? It's simple. You can't share what you don't have. You can't share what you don't with what, you know what you don't have and and again that would be why just just again you know what whatever it looks like for you maybe it's a verse maybe it's a couple of passages of scripture maybe you're knocking out chapters a day um get into this word because of delight because you because you love the lord you want to grow closer to the lord you want to store up in your heart his word um and like i said I, you know do a character study do just get the word in you because you can't share what you don't have. So you got to store it up inside of you. And, and man, if you, if you deal with anxiety or stress, that's me, um, any of that stuff, the best remedy is the word of God. I actually was listening to a podcast of a lady who's not a believer. She's a scientist and she's done studies on this. And she says, you know what we find is that people who deal with stress too much, or anxiety, if they could just focus their mind on something else that's healthy and beneficial, then it'll strengthen your brain, actually, and it'll cause all that to lessen. She's like, it's almost as if you were like to read something and memorize something. I'm like, you're talking about the Bible. If you would just get this thing and meditate on it, that's why the Bible talks about it so much. You meditate on his word so much, it actually, physically, it strengthens your brain. So when those stressors come in, you can handle them better. It's brilliant. God is brilliant. He's amazing. He's totally amazing. Here we are, a society that is dying from anxiety and stress. And there's a remedy right here. Just saying, you know what, if you just enjoy the word, study it, meditate on it, you will do yourselves wonders. Be ready in season, out of season. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, this is when you preach the word. Your goal should be to convince. You need to convince people like, yeah, Jesus. You want Jesus. You need Jesus. You know what, this might be a little offensive, but you're a sinner. Sorry to say it, but you're a sinner. This is the world we live. You're a sinner. But the good news is there's a Savior for the sins. His name is Jesus. It's, it's, it's just like that. You can, in convincing people, like, listen, you're messed up. I'm messed up too. Praise God that he was willing to come to this earth and to die for us and to save us. That's good news. That's great news. Rebuke. This is one that doesn't go over so well, especially in our society. You can't say anything anymore in our world. You can't say anything anymore. This is being recorded live on you know, Facebook and all that stuff. And, I don't, and even pastors will get to the point where they won't say certain things because of the fear, because of fear. You can't, don't call people sinners. That was, a, that was a growing thing. About 10 years ago is kind of when this really started to take, take traction. Don't call people sinners. It makes them feel bad what? Seriously? Don't sing worship songs about the blood of Jesus. Makes them feel bad. I'm like, what? Seriously? Yeah. No more songs about the cross. People feel guilty. I'm like, well, they should. I I put them there. It was my sins that put them on that cross. Yeah, I don't feel guilty anymore because he's I'm he's my savior. I've received his free gift of salvation and there's no, you know, there's no more condemnation in Christ, like for those who are in Christ Jesus. But our in the church world, this is what's been going on for the past ten years or so. It's probably been going on longer than that. But it really started kind of creeping up into our church in Amarillo, the Bible Belt of America. We have people coming in saying, Hey, your your songs are really offensive. About Jesus? Yeah makes me feel bad. I wish you wouldn't sing those songs anymore. Huh. I think we're going to sing more of those songs. I think we're going to sing more of those songs. You know what? I think I'm just going to, I think we won't shy about calling sin, sin. What are we doing? It's the issue. It's the sickness. And there's a remedy and it's Jesus and his blood. What's what's the problem? Well, the problem is what Paul is going to address here. So you got to be able to rebuke. There has to be rebuking. If you're doing something you shouldn't do, then stop doing it. If it's sin, stop. Stop. Get some help within the body of Christ. Find some accountability. That's the only way you're ever going to make it. Find some accountability. But if, it, if it's contrary to what the Word of God has to say, then you have to stop doing it. That's how this thing works. We don't... We don't get to set the standard. Humanity does not set the standard. God has set the standard for holiness. He's God Almighty. He sets the bar. We do not set the bar. And praise God, we don't even have to really live up to the bar. We just have to say, Jesus, I can't hit that mark. You're going to you're gonna have to save me. You're going to have to do this in me. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. And that's when he says, I know. That's why I died, so that you could have my righteousness. You got to convince. You got to rebuke. You got to exhort because that's the other side of it. You can't just like beat people down. You're all sinners. You're horrible. You know, all that stuff. Like, and there's some pastors who do that. And, you know, it's sad. It's tragic. You can't just be beating the sheep. That's not okay. You got to build up, exhort, encourage. And I, I would hope that you are encouraged. Number one, that the Lord loves you so much that he cares about you. And God will never be done with you. He will never, ever be finished with you. I hope that you understand that reality of like, just because you maybe make a mistake doesn't mean that he, he stops loving you. That's not how it works with God. It's perfect love. It's agape love. It's like never ending. It's unconditional. You can't do anything that's going to cause him to love you less. And so we understand this, that doesn't stop when we die. That agape perfect love continues on in heaven. And he's not even done with you in heaven, new heaven, new earth. There's still fellowship with him. There's still a relationship with him. There's still work to be, to be done. And I don't even know what all that means. But reading through the word, you get all these glimpses of like, you know, thousand year reign and ruling and reigning with Christ. Well, what's that mean? I don't know. I don't know, but it sounds kind of cool to me. I don't know what it is, but he's got a job for you. He'll never be finished with you. He will never be finished with you. He loves you. He cares about you. He is absolutely, completely invested in you. Nobody is more excited about you and what you have to offer than God himself. Nobody. That should be encouraging. That should be encouraging. That's exhortation, right? Like that should be like, huh, yeah. Um, Now the flip side to that, is, is you grow more in love with him in a stronger relationship with him that should cause you to want to do some of the things less and less i i want to i want to move away from the old lifestyle i want to move away further away from those other decisions that i once just did mindlessly without even thinking about it right I want to be disconnected from that because that actually caused a separation between me and God. I don't want that anymore. I want to grow closer to him. So what do I need to do to grow closer to him? That's holiness. So there has to be that element. The closer you grow to the Lord, the more you want to continue to grow closer to the Lord. That's what holiness is, Okay. So Paul's just laying it out, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering, or your, your Bible may say, with all patience. Pastors should have patience. They should, right? Okay, if you end up at a church, I would like to assume that you maybe like to call this one your home church. Patience isn't my strong point. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it's just really not. Um, I'm trying to get better at this thing, but uh, it's been 20 years. Uh, I got a lot of work to do, I guess, in that field. But um, uh, but a pastor should be patient with the people. You know, not getting frustrated because like, well, why don't you get this? Why aren't you getting this? Why don't you see what I say? You know, and all this stuff. Like, a pastor should never be like that. A pastor really technically needs to be more like a shepherd with sheep. You don't go around yelling at sheep, right? Sheep. And I'm a sheep, too. I hope you understand that. Being up here does not make me any different from you. It does not. I'm just... On a platform, okay? Which is sometimes uncomfortable, alright? But I'm just, a, I'm a sheep just like you, and we have a great shepherd. His name is Jesus. Jesus doesn't go around yelling at the sheep because, well, I'm supposed to stay in this pasture, but I wandered off over here. He doesn't come with his little, you know, staff and start beating the sheep and being like, oh, I can't believe it. I've told you four times already this week to stop doing that. And it, that's not how it works. Now, there may be some consequences or a rebellious sheep, and that's sometimes how that works. But pastors, when it comes to teaching churches, they they should never lose their patience. I remember Chuck Smith; he famous. He he always talks about this. I think in almost in every one of his books that he's written, he talks about this story of when he was just starting out, and, and his you know there was a part of the denomination that he was he was connected to was very big on attendance. Very big on attendance, and you need to turn in your attendance cards. Praise God, we don't do that, okay? Because number one, I can't keep track. Um, I just can't. I'd be the I'd be booted out of whatever association that is because I just don't. Keep, I just don't count. I don't keep track or anything like that. Um, but there's all this pressure of like you need new salvations, salvation, salvation. So all every Sunday he's preaching the, you know basically, you know, like a harvest crusade every single Sunday, like the gospel, the gospel, you know, and all this. And he's getting so mad with his people because nobody knew showing up. And you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and tell people and invite them and bring them back so those lost people can get saved. He was getting so frustrated with the, with the congregation until, until the switch was turned on in, in, his, in his heart, really. And I think it has a lot to do with this text where the Lord kind of came alongside and was like, just... Teach the word. Just teach the word. You teach the word, you provide the sheep with, healthy, with a healthy meal, they'll keep coming back. And they will grow. There will be the growth that happens there. And you'll be surprised because then other sheep will come too. And sometimes goats will come in, and then they'll turn into sheep. OK, that's kind of how that works, right? But you just have to lay out good food. Just lay out the good food, the, a good meal. And really, that that should be the goal for every pastor is just to be, and like Paul says here, with long suffering and with teaching. And so all patience is is how I think the ESV translates this. I think that's all there. But um, with complete, complete patience, all patience, and complete teaching, meaning you just got to just teach the word in its entirety. Old Testament, New Testament, teach the whole thing. Teach the whole word, all of it. Just teach the word. And that sometimes is, you know, that's, I don't know. I, some, I hear some people, they, they go on these kicks about like not wanting to go through Leviticus. And I'm like, well, why? Leviticus, Leviticus, I know it's a weird book. There's some weird rules and regulations that are uncomfortable to talk about in a congregational setting, you know, and all that good stuff. But you know what? That whole book's just about holiness. That's really, if you were to summarize Leviticus with one word, you would use the term holiness. So there's lots to be learned from some of those old books, those old letters that really still apply to this day. It's it's amazing. So teach, preach the word, the whole word, all of it, all of it. And and whether that's verse by verse or even topically, you can teach topically through the entire Bible. You can do that. And I've known guys to do that, and they do it really well. They do it really good. One of the most famous preachers of all time was a topical preacher. His name was Charles Spurgeon. That dude was amazing. He was awesome, crazy. So it doesn't matter on that front. It's just, are you teaching the word? Are you teaching the word? That's got to be the focus here. The focal point is the word. Okay. Here's why. For the time will come when they they will not endure sound doctrine, or healthy teaching is technically how that that can be translated. Um, Time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, that's what I have, because that bee stung me right, literally right in my ear. I don't even know how it happened, but he got me. Um, I have an itching ear right now. Um, Having itching ears, they will accumulate, or they will build up or heap up for themselves Teachers to suit their own passions. Welcome to the world we live in. Imagine how difficult that was for these guys 2,000 years ago. And just imagine if the Apostle Paul were given this little device right here, and all I do is pull up my podcast and be like, who do you want to hear? Who do you want to listen to? And you name it. We can listen to anything and in, from anybody all throughout the world. You name it. The most popular podcasts are all pretty much centered around myths and fables. It's fascinating. Now, there's some popular preaching podcasts that are out there, and I listen to some of those. Some of those I stopped listening to because, well, they were pretty much worthless. If I'm going to be honest, I'm like, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't, was the Bible ever going to be a part of that? No? Okay, then, unsubscribe. Um, the time is coming when people, they're not going to, they can't, it's, it's difficult for them to stomach healthy teaching. Well, why? Because a diet of junk food for so long can really cause havoc on your stomach. And then when it is time to sit down and somebody does actually just open up the word and just teaches the word, it can be a difficult thing to adjust to. It just can be. It's like changing your diet. It can be a difficult thing. There has to be some adjustments that are made. But they were living in the times where this was a reality for them. The time was coming, and Paul saw it. So storm clouds. The time was coming. This is going to be the reality concerning the church world. People can't endure the sound teachings anymore, but they're going to have these itching ears. They they just want to hear what makes them feel good. I got an itch. I need somebody to scratch that itch. So what they do is they accumulate for themselves. They'll just find the teachers that know how to scratch the itch. And when that teacher can't do the job anymore, well, then they'll go and find somebody else. And this, uh, I, I can't think of anything that's, that's more accurately describes the world in which we live today. It's like that church shopping kind of deal. It's like, well... I mean, I understand if you're trying to find a good pastor to sit under and hopefully he's teaching the Word and all that good stuff. Hey, you know, you go where you have to go. Do what you have to do. But at one point in time, you got, you're going to have to settle in somewhere because the more you're bouncing around, then, well, is the body being blessed or have any benefit from your spiritual gifting? They don't if, you're, if, if people are just hopping around everywhere. It's like, no, find where God wants you to be and plug in. And serve. That's what, that's what a church is. It's not this, me, and no, it's, it's us working together, is, is what it is. So they're going to build up, they're going to accumulate for themselves the teachers uh, that, that, you know, scratch the itch, so to speak, um, goes on to say in verse 4 and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or these myths, these legends, okay? But, verse 5, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So I love what Paul kind of wraps up this little section, just saying, listen, Timothy, regardless, it doesn't matter. What the, what the culture is that surrounds you, it doesn't matter. You have one job, preach the word. Preach the word, and this is how you should be doing it. And even if everyone leaves you, you stay focused. It's that sober-minded thing. You stay focused. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. You endure the suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. A lot of people believe that Timothy had this gift of an evangelist. And Paul is essentially telling him, like, listen, even if nobody's showing up, keep doing what you've been called to do. Keep doing what you've been called to do. You fulfill your ministry. And now Paul's going to use his life as an example. Look at this next section. Verse, uh, verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. That is connected to those Old Testament teachings we were just talking about. Uh, if you want to know about drink offerings, you can go back into uh, the first five books. The Pentateuch is what you call it. Um, and uh, specifically from Exodus on, and you can learn all about drink offerings. And Paul is saying, I am that offering. I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and, and the time of my departure is at hand. I love that he does not say, the time of my death is at hand. The time of my departure is at hand, OK? Because he understands, I'm just going to sleep. I'm waking up, I'm going to sleep in this world, and I'm waking up in my forever world. New heaven, new earth, I'm not even worried about it. It's just, I'm just jumping on a plane my departure, the planes arrived, it's time to go. He goes on to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but, to all, uh, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I love that. I love that confidence that Paul has. He's like, listen, I fought the fight. I ran the race. I finished my job. I did it, and not only have I done that, and he, he was not saying he did it perfectly. He's just saying that he finished. He says, and here's what I know. Jesus is waiting at the finish line with this wreath for my head because I have finished the race. I've competed. I finished. There's too many, too many. And you'll hear this, and you'll see this more and more. I promise you this. Too many who were once running the race that are no longer running the race. Dropping like flies. Did they ever know the Lord? Did, I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know. The Lord knows their hearts. All I know is I'm watching and I'm reading articles and stories from, from individuals who at one point in time were writing books about how much they love Jesus. And now they're coming out with articles saying, I don't even know if I'm a Christian.
0: We're so glad that you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has shared much from 2 Timothy, and there are good things that you can take with you, even all these years after the book was written. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this study or other books of the Bible, you can do so at our website, breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to meet you, so if you're in the Galveston area, come join us this Sunday for worship. Calvary Galveston meets at 10 a.m. for a time of praising the Lord. Please come just as you are. We want to meet you. For directions to our church and more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. And if you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask for your partnership in this ministry. We're grateful to have you as a listener, and we'd love to have this ministry covered in your prayers. We ask that more people would listen and genuinely hear the truth about Jesus. Pray for lives to be changed. Also pray that all of those involved in Bread for the Broken would have open hearts to hearing where God would lead. And if you feel led, we're also grateful for financial support. Visit breadforthebroken.com and go to the About tab to learn more or to connect with us if you have any questions. Our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken.